Hi, my name is Bio, and Bread and Tea is the audio journaling of my Bible study. Bread, because the bread of life, and tea, because sometimes I shake tables and hot tea will pour on your lap. You can follow me on Twitter at Bio underscore OG, or read more about what I talk about here on my Medium blog titled Church Series. Alright, have fun. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of my Bible study audio journaling. Like I say in other episodes, this audio journaling is not a replacement for Bible study. It is simply me explaining what I learn from the Bible, you know, biblical facts to sort of help someone or some people out there who are finding it difficult to understand some of the things that they study in the Bible. Alright, so today we're going to be talking about the Bible's perspective about the LGBTQ community. And we are going to be reading from Romans chapter 1, from verse 18. We touch verse 20, we touch on verse 24, verse 26, 28. We touch verse 32, and we also touch a couple of verses in Romans chapter 2. Um, disclaimer, this particular episode may or may not be longer than 10 minutes. I try my best to keep it within 10 minutes, but hey guys, this is a really controversial topic. So it's important that, you know, we break this down as much as possible so that everybody understands it. So we start off in verse 18. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their right, by their wickedness. All right, that's Romans chapter 1 verse 18. We see that number one, there is a wrath of God. We see that it is being revealed and the reason why it is being revealed is because some people are suppressing the truth that is the character of god i don't know if you've ever encountered someone that asks a question like why does god let this wickedness happen to me why did god let this person die of this sickness that's not god's plan the bible says nothing evil comes from god it's somewhere in james chapter one i am not very sure of the verse i can look it up and share on another episode but the bible is clear nothing evil comes from god but what the bible is saying here is people suppress the truth about god that is his true character god is love god is kind god is patient you know people suppress all of these characters of god by their wickedness by their unrighteous acts so paul is basically giving like a righteous indignation expressing you know god's anger he's saying the wrath of god is being revealed because some people are hiding the truth about his character by their wickedness another example can be how you know domestic helps in some households are subject to you know maltreatment those domestic help some of them may think if there really is a god why am i being subject to this kind of treatment but there really is a god and he really loves them and he really cares about them but because some people have chosen to be wicked they are suppressing the character of God. So you see how wickedness in man can actually hide the true nature of God. All right. And Paul goes on to say in verse 20, he says, because since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood 
from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He's saying the character of God can be revealed, in fact, has been revealed in what he has created so that people do not have an excuse to say, I do not know God. All right. But he's also, he's also disgusted, as we can see in verse 18, that some people are hiding this character that God has made plain. Verse 20 said, he has made his character, his power, his eternal power, his divine nature. His nature, he has made it plain so that it can be seen. But verse 18 is emphasizing people are hiding this nature of God through their wicked acts. Alright, so let's go straight to um, um, verse 21. Alright, it's talking about despite the fact that God has, you know, exposed his character, he has exposed his nature. Verse 21 then says, although people knew God, it says, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Guys, this is, this is solid biblical principle. It's simply telling us you do not retain, this is the formula, if you do not retain God in your mind, your thinking becomes futile and your heart becomes foolish and darkened. You know, when I talk about biblical principles and I try to teach them to people, what some people don't understand is this is not i'm not teaching you something supernatural i'm teaching you formulas the same way in math if you add two plus two you get four it's the same way the bible is telling us like this is your creator telling you this is he's the one who wrote the manual for your life he knows how you ought to operate he knows how your mind ought to operate he knows that if you give your mind this input you would get this out this output so he's telling us if you do not give your mind the impute of God, what would happen to it is that it will become futile and foolish. And we already know that the mind is what is responsible for running a human existence. So it simply means if you do not retain God in your mind, you are incapable of running a successful human existence. Why? Because your mind becomes foolish and darkened and futile. I am heading somewhere. Recall that we spoke about um, by, the topic for this particular episode is the biblical standpoint on the LGBTQ community. So what these preceding verses are telling you is how we got here. All right. So first we have heard that the wrath of God is being revealed because some people are hiding his character by their wickedness. We have also learned that, you know, since creation, God has made his character known through everything he has created. Like it is obvious. You look at the sun, you look at how creation is held in perfect balance, how the sun always rises irrespective of the circumstance, how despite we punish the planet day after day, but all creation still obeys the command of God. You know that these things could not have put them themselves up there you know that things could not have been created by virtue of an accident a big bang it is obvious that there was creation there was thinking that went in, that went into into all of this you look at the way your body functions you look at the way your body responds when you are in danger the enzymes that have to be released how doctors have studied for centuries but have still not perfectly understood the human body you look at all these things and you know that thinking from a source that is so intelligent has gone into all of this creation. That is what it means by God has made his character known such that human beings are without excuse. Unless you can properly defend 
how all of these things, how all of creation hangs in balance without the, an intelligent force creating them, actively thinking and creating these things, then you have no excuse. You know that there is a God. So that is what the Bible is telling us. But it then goes on in verse 21 to say, despite the facts that you know that there is a God, you deny his existence by not retaining him in your mind and by not glorifying him. So he wants to be glorified. He wants his glory. And he's saying, this is how you are meant to run your mind. This is the impute you give to your mind if you are to live the way I have designed you. You know, when God designed us, he said, be fruitful and subdue the earth. Be fruitful, multiply and subdue the earth. That is our biological destiny. God is saying, if you want to subdue the earth, you know, we already fulfill our destiny of be fruitful. We've already fulfilled the destiny of multiplying the earth, of, of, of multiplying. God is saying, if you want to run a successful human existence, the way I have designed you to run a human existence, you have to retain the knowledge of God in your mind and your inability to do that What would happen to your mind is it will become foolish, darkened, and your thoughts will become futile. And when that happens, you are incapable of running a human existence. I am placing a lot of emphasis on this because everything I am going to explain after this is going to rest on the foundation of the condition of the human mind. You know, when the Bible talks about a man must be born again, obviously, he is not talking about a man coming out of his mother's womb again, right? So... First, I'll have you know that man was born again initially when he sinned in the Garden of Eden. So the born again that God is referring to is the receiving of a nature. All right. In one of Paul's letters, he talks about the things I want to do. I do not do them. But the things I do not want to do, I do them. That speaks to nature. Alright, these things come naturally. I don't want to do them, but they come naturally. It speaks to a nature in man. So when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, he received a nature. People think, oh, that, oh, the sin wasn't that big. You know, he just ate a fruit. Why is the repercussion so huge? No, it wasn't about the fruits. It was about disobedience and the nature that man received. Man received a nature of sin such that naturally he has the propensity to sin. He doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to work it out. He has the propensity to sin. So when the Bible talks about a man must be born again, it is talking about receiving a nature different from the one that we have received in the Garden of Eden. So that is the whole born again um, um, principle I have explained to you there. So it's about receiving a nature, not about coming out of your mother's womb. And you receive that nature by first believing in the death and resurrection of Christ. And then he gives you his Holy Spirit when you believe in that nature. And that Holy Spirit brings your faculties to obedience in Christ such that naturally you do the things of the Spirit. The Bible talks, it is God that wills in us. He said he wills us. He he, he makes us to will and to do. So he gives you the will to want to do these things. He gives you a new nature. This is what the Bible means by being born again. So, I have deviated a bit from what we were talking about, but let's just quickly jump on back to verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. It says, For although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened. Alright, so I have already explained this. Then he says, look at, he places emphasis on verse 22, and this is obvious in a lot of people's lives. You speak to some people, they say there is no God, and then they throw up intelligent nonsense to defend their claims that there is no God. What does verse 22 says? It says, although they claim to be wise, and pausing there for effect, it says, although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images that look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So verse 23 is talking about idol worship. But verse 22 is very applicable to everyday life. You see people explain with science. You see people explain with logic. You know, all manner of intelligent conversations about why there is definitely no God. God says, the Bible says, although they claim to be wise, they became fools. Now let us see the repercussion of not retaining God in your mind. Let us see the repercussion of, of having a foolish mind, of your thoughts becoming futile. Let us see what the repercussion is. Therefore, this is verse 24. Now, this is the wrath of God. You know, at the start of this episode, so I don't know if this is the episode because I've counseled a lot of episodes before this. I explained that the wrath of God is not, you know, God sending some tribulations your way. I already explained that God doesn't send any evil to mankind. So it's not that God will make you lose your job. It's not that, you know, your your car will spoil or somebody's wife will die. That is not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is explained in verse 24. And you see that the wrath of God is even justified in verse 24. He says, therefore, this therefore, when somebody says therefore, it's like saying because. So therefore means it is resting on the statements of the previous verses, that's verse 18 to 21. Therefore, because they did not retain God in their mind, God gave them over. And passing again for sinful effect, that is the wrath of God. He gives you over. Okay, you don't want to retain me in your mind. You don't want to glorify me. Fine. He gives you over to your sinful desires. Now, recall I said that being born again is receiving the nature of God. But now you don't want to receive that nature. Fine. We know that God has given man free will and he would never circumvent your will. He would never force you to obey him because he is a just God and he proves his justice for the whole universe to see so such that nobody can claim that God forced man to obey him. Everybody can see that man obeying God is as a result of his, you know, his choice. So you don't want to retain me in your mind. You don't want my new nature. No problem. He gives them over and that is the wrath of God. He says he gives them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. See, guys, everybody listening, this is the wrath of God. The giving over to the nature that you received when we disobeyed in the Garden of Eden. All right? So some people may ask, oh, but it wasn't us that disobeyed. It was Adam and Eve that disobeyed. But recall, Adam, you know, names in the Bible were very, very potent. Your name was your identity. It was who you stood for. It was your entire purpose in life. That was your name. For instance, Jacob's name meant deceiver, right? But when God was giving him a new destiny, he had to change that name to Israel. Abraham meant something else. But when God was giving him a new destiny, he had to change the name to Abraham, all right? So we see different instances like that when God changed people's names in the Bible because your name is very potent and that is what it stands for. When we look at the meaning of Adam in the Bible, Adam is the Hebrew word for mankind. So when the Bible says God created Adam and Eve, it means he created mankind. And if you look at the model of God's creation, when he wants to put something into effect, he doesn't go around creating, you know, if he wants to create humanity, 
He won't create a billion humans. He will create a prototype and that prototype is responsible for creating the rest. He did that in the Garden of Eden. He did the same thing when he wanted to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He delivered it to 11 men and told them, make disciples of the earth. He had done it a lot of times and that is that is basically God's model when it comes to creation. Alright, so he creates one and then that model then goes ahead to, you know, fulfill the the other instructions basically. So what it's saying here in verse 24 is God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now, guys, everything I have laid emphasis on before now, I mean, if you have not understood it, I advise you rewind so that you can understand what this wrath of God is. It is the giving over to the nature that you received in the garden of eden mankind adam received that nature in himself when he disobeyed in the garden of eden so god gives you over to that nature he's not going to force you that's what verse 24 is saying and if you jump to verse 26 it then says because of this god gave them over to shameful lusts now look at the effect of god giving you over to your desires of him taking his hands off your case and saying you know what do what you want to do it says even their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. So guys, we understand how humanity got here. From the Bible's perspective, it is clear that because humanity has refused to feed their mind the impute of God, humanity has refused to stay on the word, humanity has refused to accept the nature of God, the repercussion is not that God killed them, the repercussion is not that God took away their wife, not that he took away their job, that is not the wrath of God, the wrath of God is expressed in his giving you over to your sinful desires to the nature that mankind received in the garden of eden that is the wrath of god and we see that when that happens people are inflamed like people's mind become reprobate they are incapable of running a human existence their mind is broken it's like the engine of a car being broken that car cannot run normally again so the engine for running a human existence is broken so you start to do the things that you ought not to do Alright, so and that's exactly what verse 28 says. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so much emphasis on the mind, and that is where the wrath of God is revealed, so that they do what ought not to be done, meaning there are things to do and there are things not to do. So, guys, this is an explanation of how humanity got to the point it is in this lgbtq community now what should be the believer's response to members of this community we jump quickly to verse to chapter romans chapter 2 you see usually when the bible follows up a sentence with another sentence they are tied together and that is common sense. Like I am having this conversation on this particular episode. Everything I'm saying is tied, correct? So immediately after God, after Paul has explained those things about how we got to where we are, it is followed by a strict warning to the believer. Chapter 2 immediately opens with, You, therefore, have no excuse. 
you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things what does this mean does that mean that when i say something you know negative or hurtful about someone in the lgbtq community that i am also gay no but recall that we have received the same nature in the garden of eden and it is by the kindness of god that we receive a new nature so how can we judge someone who has the same who who received the same negative nature that we received that is what it means to do the same thing how can you pass judgment what is the foundation of your judgment so verse 2 of romans chapter 2 says we know that god's judgment against such things are based on truth so it begs the question what is your judgment based on how can you judge of something that you are privy to how when the bible says mankind received the nature in himself are you not mankind are you separate from mankind so on what grounds do you pass the judgment so it is clear guys how we got here it is also clear that the believer has no authority the believer has no grounds it has no moral backing it has no 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 office no territory to pass judgment on the community all right and then it makes it there's something really 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 important it's i'm I'm just looking for the verse i'm looking for exactly verse 4 romans chapter 2 verse 4 it's romans chapter 2 verse 4 reveals you know we, we started off talking about the character of god and romans chapter 2 verse 4 brings up those characters again you know when people sin for one one quick second let's go back to romans chapter 1 verse Romans chapter 1 verse 32, it says, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. Let us stop there. Alright? Meaning those who do these things, they deserve death. But come to Romans chapter 2 verse 4. After warning us in Romans chapter 2 verse 1 that we have no place to pass judgment on these folks. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 then says, Or do you, talking to the believer now, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So, the Bible tells us that those who do these things deserve death. It then tells us that if you judge people, it's not that God doesn't know they they deserve, it's not that God doesn't know that these people deserve death, but he's showing kindness forbearance and patience and the reason he's showing it is so that it can lead them to repentance that is what verse 4 says but when you judge paul is asking you are you showing contempt for god's kindness it's a very solid you know it's a you know those kind of questions that she received with heat it says do you show contempt for his kindness are you saying he's foolish are you saying him that is showing forbearance to these sins are you saying he doesn't understand what he's doing so he's basically asking you, on what grounds, if the God that has created your operation for your salvation, knowing that you were unworthy and nothing you could do could ever match, gave you the grace and the kindness to step into his salvation so that you are made whole with God, on what grounds, how dare you, is what Paul is saying. Do you show contempt for that kindness and patience that God extends to this community? So what that is telling us as believers is, one, we have no place to, you know, judge this community. Two, as it is the nature of God to show kindness and patience to this community, it is also our responsibility. But the Bible also tells us, what shall we say then? That because the grace, that is the kindness of God abound, that should we continue in sin, the strong response is God forbid. So our stance is clear. 
come into the community of Christ, receive his spirit and receive the nature that helps you come out of these things. But we do not judge. We do not condemn. Because when we do, we show contempt for the kindness and forbearance of God who is patient with this community. And as a matter of fact, patient with us as believers. Because you would agree with me that none of us, you know, even in our our moral doings, the Bible says our righteousness are like filthy rags unto God. So, our stance is clear. The kindness of God does not permit, you know, the kindness of God does not mean that we continue in sin. God forbids to that. So we would preach the message. We would preach it as we ought, undiluted, unadulterated. We would teach the message and we would not hide the character, the truth of God. Because when we preach anything contrary to the message, we hide the truth and the character of God. And what the message is, is even to those in the LGBTQ community, believe in the operation of God. That operation is that God came to earth to die so that you may be justified irrespective of your sin. If we were required to stop being sinners before we receive salvation, the Bible wouldn't have said, even while you were sinners, he died for you. The understanding is, come as you are. Come with the kind of lusts that you feel. We understand how we got here. Some of you, some, some, some people never even made this choice. They were born into it and they just find themselves feeling this way. This is the repercussion of sin. It continues into generations so that, you know, it continues into multiple generations so that people suffer for the sins of others. It's like a dominoes effect. Okay, but what the Bible is telling us is this nature that you have, I can give you a new one. All I require you to do is to believe in the operation of God. And as believers, this is the message that we must preach. I'll say something very audacious, all right? Some of us are going to be surprised that, you know, in the new, in the new heaven, in the new earth, in the new reality, when God has come to take his saints, you will see some people that were gay in that new reality. Why? Because they did not default on John 3, 16. When you receive the promise by believing, when you receive salvation by believing, your life doesn't automatically turn around. What happens is you receive the Holy Spirit that starts to bring your faculties to obedience in Christ and gradually you are able to drop these characters. You know, sometimes I think believers should actually discuss to unbelievers where they were and where they are now because some people see believers and they think they were born righteous. Do you understand? They were born and they were able to live above sin but that is not the truth. Many of us know the things we have struggled with in the past, our own addictions that we have struggled with in the past, but by staying on the word of God and by the influence of his spirit, the new nature we have received, we no longer do those things. We now have victory over those things. Sometimes it is important to discuss these things with people that are still struggling and living perpetually in sin so that they know, because it can be so overwhelming to tell someone that, you know, this addiction that you struggle with, just stop in a day. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, you are able to drop these things. But what happens when, you know, somebody in that community receives the promise, but before the sanctification is complete, you know, God calls his saints. You think they wouldn't be part? Did they default on John 3, 16? They would be part. So, again, 
there's a part of the Bible that says God did not come for those who need no, who don't need a physician. Meaning the, the church is meant to resemble a hospital. It's not for those who are righteous. It's for those who are, you know, living perpetually in sin, but are looking for the new nature of God, which he is able to give us. So when you see an LGBTQ individual in your midst, you know, that is actively really wants to know about this nature of God, please don't be a stumbling block by your actions and inactions, by your words and the things that you don't say, but rather be a bridge to the knowledge and to the understanding of Christ. Be an instrument in the hands of God for the liberation of this soul. Be an instrument in the hand of God for the raising of a new minister who can also help others. This is the biblical standpoint on the LGBTQ community, guys. And I really hope this has helped to give a thorough explanation on our stand you know an understanding of how we got here on the stand of the believer and how we are meant to react to this community so um again i already gave the disclaimer that this was going to be a pretty long episode and true to my word is about 30 minutes so yeah um till next time guys um like I always say, this is not a replacement for Bible study. And oh, finally, please, you can follow me on Twitter at bio underscore OG. On Twitter, I just look for trouble. I preach the gospel. I shake tables and yeah, yeah. basically look for trouble and preach the gospel. Yeah. So also another fun place. All right. So till next time, I would be signing out now. Goodbye, guys.